0: This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to the show this week, everyone! Uh, another fun week here in uh, in in uh, Blue Jackets land. I think my camera's a little out of focus there, so if you are watching the video version of this, I I apologize there. Oh, oh, oh. Am I still hideous? Oh, I'm breaking things. That's as good as it's getting tonight, folks, so we can all just deal with that. All right. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Uh, If you're watching the live stream, thank you very much for that. If you're watching, if you listen to the show later, listen to the show later, do whatever you want to do. That's awesome. Uh, It's been a great week for me, at least just in general terms of life. Uh, My Blue Jackets fandom has been been a weird week uh, for the Blue Jackets in my mind. Some good, some bad, uh, that's for sure. Uh, One thing I am very happy about, if y'all remember when I had Chris Creamer on the show a while back, talked about his book, Fabric of the Game, my copy finally came in, so I'm super happy about that. Uh, I had to get it directly from the publisher, so go to Simon & Schuster there. Um, You can pre-order the book if you haven't yet. I think that what that does is, as they're printing new copies, they're shipping them out. Um, it's a very pretty book, very nice, uh, has, you know, all the big, wonderful things talking about the histories of the teams as far as their development, as far as their, um, design and all that goes and the look and everything. A lot of cool pictures, um, it's on the Cleveland Barons, so it's got all the teams in it. It's a fun book so far. I've been enjoying it. That is for sure. And now... Something else you might enjoy as you're sitting down to watch hockey uh, is a chance to you know maybe maybe parlay the fact that you obsess over a sport into something more fun, um, and that is something that you can do with the good folks over at DraftKings. Uh, so with DraftKings, um, essentially, again you go on, you pick your lineups, you hit the uh, you hit your um, you can you can do things and 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 deal. You know you have a salary cap on there. There's games everywhere from a dollar to hundreds of dollars to join, and you can win tons of money. You can win lots. I mean, the the company's had over seven billion dollars in winnings at this point. I mean, it's it's good times. It's it's lots of fun there. So now you so what you do when you go to play? Download the DraftKings app. Sign up using the code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Beer of the week, folks. We have got Great Lakes Conway's Irish Ale here. There we go. Looks good. Um, this beer is a seven-time medal winner since 1995. Golden Silver at the World Beer Championship, so I'm expecting a lot here. Um let's take a look. It is a six point three percent alcohol beverage volume here. Let's see what we've got. Twenty-five international bittering units. Ooh, there we go. Um a pint for Pa Conway, our co-owner's grandfather and policeman who likely hold uh, that an Irish ale with full-bodied caramel malt flavors is just the ticket. Stationed at the intersection of sweet and toasty where biscuit and caramel malt flavors always have the right of way. Let's take a look at this bad boy. See what we've got here. That's a very pretty beer. Perfect. Mm. Let's give this a shot. Mm. Yeah, nice and sweet. A little bit of bitterness on there, but... A nice sweet beer. The kind of beer you can see yourself Are putting down more than one of during a game. Putting down a lot, depending on how the game's going. like last night's game against Chicago. All right, before we get into specific games, let's take a quick look at the standings, see where we're at there. So, Blue Jackets, uh, in terms of where they are in the standings here. Let's share you know, where they're at as far as the standings here today. Um, so uh, when you go by just points, they're fourth. Um, at 18 points, they're one ahead of Chicago. Uh, and they really beat the Chicago in the tiebreaker. If you look at points percentage, which is what we are expected, we're telling people they should be doing Uh, I would highly recommend that because, again, there is no guarantee we're going to get to the end of the season and everyone is going to, uh, you know, have that same, there's no guarantee we're going to, everybody's going to play the same amount of games there. So right now, if you look at points percentage, Columbus is fifth in the standings, which, uh, you know, you know, let's make that a little bigger for the people on the video screen. Fifth in the standings at a 563. Now, where they're in better shape than they were a few days ago is uh, Dallas is fourth in the standings at points percentage with a 583. Dallas has really been on kind of a drop-off here. Um, they started off the season hot, and their last 10, they're 3-3-4. Three, three, and, and, and Columbus has – this is a team Columbus can try and reach and catch. Uh, looking at the game now, it's actually kind of shocking – it, I mean, it, the fact that Columbus dropped those first two against Nashville at this point, seeing how far Nashville's fallen, those two against Nashville could have been huge for the CBJ um, going into this, going into what we're looking at now. Looking at Dom Lashusian's projections, um, not great here. Um, he at this point has got the Columbus Blue Jackets at a 19% chance to make the playoffs. Um at this point, up to the fourth-place team, he got all the way up to a 72% chance. So he, he's high on Dallas, high on Florida. Uh, he's pretty much saying the Hurricanes and the Lightning are a lock at this point. I don't know if I would agree with that so much. Hurricane and Lightning, yes. Florida and Dallas, I, I don't know. Um, I can see both or either one of those teams or both of those teams falling off, having a precipitous drop uh, in what happens in their in – their, uh, Coming up here in the season. Now, talking about the most recent games that Columbus has played uh, since the last time we've all talked here. Essentially, they've been to the two games against Chicago, which back to back have probably been Columbus's best games of the season. Uh, when you look at how they've dominated shot share, how they've dominated expected goals for in those games. In the first game against the Blackhawks, where they won six five, they had the Corsi 4 percentage at five on five score uh, scoring venue adjusted at sixty over sixty six percent. On the uh, Saturday night game, they were at 52%. The expected goals for is the big one. On Friday night's game, 63.5%. I'm sorry, on Thursday night's game. Uh, On Saturday's game, 69.33% of the expected goals for. The team is started... In those two games, the team looked much better. Now, this is where this season gets tricky. Because if you go to the two games before that against the Hurricanes they were under 50% in all those categories. If you look at the two games before that against the Stars, again, under 50%, well below it in the expected goals for in all categories. So is the team starting to play better, or is it that they're playing Chicago, who's really not that good? Now, I say that with Chicago being right where we are in the points points right now, uh, tied with us as far as peer points. And the reality of this is... So the last few seasons, and, and this is where I think where I would be encouraged by what we saw in last, in last night's game, even though they end up losing in overtime. So something that if you've been watching the Blue Jackets for the last few years, you am going to try again this delicious beer. So tasty. And it takes me back to one time I heard Steve Dangle talking about uh, the Maple Leafs playing the Columbus Blue Jackets. And he said playing the Columbus Blue Jackets is so infuriating. playing a John Tordwell team, because there's just sticks everywhere. And something that has been happening in recent games all this season, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who noticed it, is those plays where the other team can throw in a pass, and it seems like there's a guy right in the blue who the puck just bounces off his stick and it's in. That seems to be happening way too often. It definitely happened a lot in that 6-5 game. And it's, it's the way they lost the overtime game last night. Uh, the 3-2 loss to Chicago. is—you know, There was a pass and there was a guy wide open right there in the blue. and Pretty much all half the goals Chicago seemed to score in these last two games. That's what happened. But in the one they lost in overtime, Chicago wasn't getting nearly as many of those. Um, the sticks seemed to be coming back in that game. There weren't nearly as many times where the pass would get thrown across the ice and there was somebody just right there to get it. Columbus was being so much more disruptive in the defensive end. And if that style of play is coming back, I feel a lot better about this season because there's something else that's starting to happen too. We are starting to see offensive players that Columbus has actually being able to hold up a – Essentially, we okay. So Columbus has been a team that's always been really good defensively. Our best, one of our best years, um, kind of our two best seasons, were the ones where we had Artemi Panarin on the ice. Why Artemi Panarin? First of all, he's an incredible player, but he could overperform what the models expect. It's not—it's not a hard thing to look at Artemi Panarin's playing style, and he overperforms on expected goals for. And certain players this year for Columbus. So let's go with our newest acquisition, uh, Patrick Line. Well, he's probably not a good example of it here uh, because his expected goals 4 percentage, uh, expected goals 41.52%, and then his actual goals for percentage is 40.73. But what Patrick Line can do, the goal he scored in the 3-2 loss to Chicago was not a goal that should have gone in. He has got a talent for just making goals happen. And that trend that talent translates to the power play. I mean, I don't think it is a coincidence the power play has been better since he's been on the ice. I mean, obviously he's scored some goals on it, but just the fact that you have somebody else playing off of it. Jack Rostlevic seems to be overperforming his expected goals for. Um his expected goals for for the season is 51.73%, his actual goals for is at a 60.51. Um we've got other players who are starting to kind of pick up on that and, and play and, you know, we're, who are getting more ice time that are taking us in the right direction. Um, If other players to start, keep outperforming their expected goals for as some of these, in my mind, are a little sustainable guys like Oliver Burke strand, his expected goals for so far this season is a 46.43%. His actual goals for is 54.17. Now, again, all these numbers are five on five score and venue adjusted, but, I think this team has enough actual shooting talent at this point. Between Bjorkstrand, between Line A, even Roslevic. Um, If Cam Atkinson's actually getting his shot back, I think there's enough... Uh, Zach Wierenski, I think there's enough actual shooting talent on this team that if they can hunker down and be the defensive team that John Tortorella wants them to be, and they have that freedom in the offensive zone, which seems to be getting allowed. It, it's not even though I'm not the biggest fan of how Torrell is still putting these lines together, if that offensive talent allowed to get there, I like right now, I think taxi A is being wasted. I think taxi should probably be at a center somewhere, or if he's going to be a winger, it can't be like with Boone Jenner at a center. Um, I think he got to find more ways to use him, but the core of it is. If they can close down defensively, they can, they can win more games. Um, like last night, the overtime loss to Chicago. They dominated most of that game. They were good that game. They were the better team. They should have won. And and it's so weird when you run into a game where you see one player who, I hate to do this because I love the player and I love the guy, but man, last night's loss, so much of it falls on Nick Foligno. Um, and I get it. He wasn't the one who, you know, the, the score, the goal that tied it. That wasn't on him. But man, his overtime shift was so bad. And and you wonder how a team that's starting to develop the talent that this team has is putting Nick Felino out there as one of their wingers in overtime. I mean, how is the decision not how is the decision not Roslavic Line a or Texier Bjorkstrand or I mean Bjorkstrand If I'm I'm Tortorella, I'm starting with Bjorkstrand out there on on overtime. Because Bjorkstrand is a great defensive player. Bjorkstrand is a great scorer. Line A may not be my first choice for three on three. Because he's not a great defensive player. At least he hasn't shown it yet. Maybe he can still become it, but he's not there yet. But Bjorkstrand, Texier, Roslerick, Cam, those are the players that you start start off with. Um... Felino, I mean, last night's game, he gets the turnover, which they needed against Patrick Kane in their defensive zone. And he did something the Blue Jacks were doing all night and that they've done a lot. And it's like, I'm just throwing it to center ice. Maybe. And from I saw the plays later. It looked like he was trying to hit line A and just had a bad pass, but just threw it right back to Chicago. And then Chicago comes in and it's a two on two. And, 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 and Foligno decides to they're going to bunch up and go two men on Kane and leave the Brink hat of all play, players wide open. Why would you do that? Because the thing is, the pass that came in came in a little hot. It bounced up. The Brink hat makes an incredible play to bounce it off his stick and into the goal. But the reality is if there's another player right there on him, when that puck kind of starts bouncing, Felino's in there, that thing goes off into the corner. I think that there are times where, I think it's one of those situations where when Torts isn't sure what to do, he's just throwing the veterans at it. And I don't think that's a good way to go about it. I just don't. Um wasn't a good decision to go with it. Um, I I would love for the decisions. I really feel like... It feels like... One of my favorite sports movies is Moneyball. Moneyball is one of my favorite movies, period. And there's a scene in Moneyball... um, Where it's it's Art Howe, who's the manager of the Oakland A's, and Billy Bean, who's the GM... And they're talking about, you know, how the teams put together, what's going on, and kind of their roles and everything. And Art Howell, when he's talking to Billy Bean, he says, my job is to find the best use of these players that you put together for me. And Billy Bean responds with, I didn't put them together for you, Art. And Art says, yeah, no kidding, because he doesn't like the team that he's got in front of him. Billy Bean put it together with a specific way he wanted it to play, and that's not what's happening. I feel like that's the situation we're in. I feel like that when John Tortorella was hired to be the head coach of this team, there was an idea that there had to be a culture change in the locker room. And I think that was the right decision. But I think we're reaching a point where the philosophical ideas of the coach and the philosophical ideas of the GM on how this team is being put together are not meshing. I don't think there's going to be hard feelings. I don't think Jarboe Kekalainen tends to get hard feelings on things, unless um, well, someone's not honest with him. So I don't think there's going to be hard feelings. But I fully expect at the end of the season for John Tortorella to no longer be the head coach. I don't expect there to be like a mid-season firing, because I don't think you're going to get a lot out of that. Because uh, if you're just going to Brad Larson and and whatnot, I, I don't think you're going to see a massive. And even then, mid-season changes are, are tough to do unless you've got someone already in the wings. Um, I feel expect for them to just let John Torrell's contract run out, and then to go shopping for a new head coach in the off season. And then at this point, I'm going to be honest if it's, a, if it's not a European coach, I'll be surprised because Jarboe Kekalainen is on a bend right now. Bender right now, just getting Europeans on this squad. I don't mind. I am not going to be the 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 protectionist who's like, oh no, we need, there need to be enough American boys. First of all, you got Ross and he's the Columbus boy. And it would not shock me at the end of his two years for them to sign him for eight. That being said, something I said on Twitter this week, and I, after that line goal uh, and the three, two loss, just a beautiful goal. And they signed him for $11 million a year over eight years or $10 million a year over eight years in the off season. I wouldn't be shocked that that's kind of what I expect. Cause he's just unique in a scoring talent. And he's the kind of weapon that the Blue Jackets, again, haven't had since Artemi Panarin. And before that, Rick Nash, where it's just this guy, he's not always the best as far as getting back on the ice and the forechecking checking and all that. But if the puck is on his stick, it could be a goal. That's just what it is with patch planning. All right. Got a couple other things we to hit on before we uh, wrap up this week. But let me get a quick uh, word from our friends at the Hockey Podcast Network here. Uh, you know what? I'm I, just I, so heated because of what what you're telling me. Because I I do not want to live in a world <laughs> in a world where a craft dinner is the fucking substitute to a good macaroni. You're putting powder. No 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 mac macaroni as you call it is a substitute for candy. God. <laughs> oh my god! Go to. Go to Italy! If you and crack ask open some no, 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 crap no, no, no. no no no. If you ask any Canadian would they rather have macaroni or KD, they will tell you KD is the best, it is superior, it is a fucking national treasure, and it is the greatest dish in Canada. I'm Mason Dixon, a Habs fan stuck in Leafs Country. With my co-host, Corey, a Southern beauty trapped deep in the bayous of Louisiana. With over 2,500 kilometers of separation, we still managed to come together to give you Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. While I don't know what a kilometer is, I do know Habs hockey. Don't let the 10-year age gap or distance fool you. We bleed blue blanket rouge, and we're known to serve up hot takes along with our unique charm. Join us every Monday and Thursday for Hockey Talk, Ref Rage, and your daily dose of Southern Englands. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Katie is the superior macaroni and cheese. Get the fuck out of here. You put um, ketchup on your fucking macaroni, you nasty kid? Yes, I fucking do. This has been Habs and You guys have a great night. All right, a couple other quick stories I want to get to. Uh, The Columbus Blue Jackets actually made another trade uh, just the other day with the Carolina Hurricanes. The Blue Jackets acquired the rights to forward Gregory Hoffman. Carolina Hurricanes acquired a 2022 seventh-round pick. All right, this is a weird one. So the Blue Jackets traded a seventh-round pick for a 28-year-old who plays in the Swiss League who has never played an NHL game. I want to read to you what Corey and put in The Athletic here. Um, I, I'm just going to read it all. Normally, I don't try to read full athletic stuff because I know they're behind paywalls and all that good stuff. But it, there's, it's short, and I just need to get the whole point out there. Prospect fans will remember Hoffman coming up periodically in the last 10 years, such as when he had a decent world junior in 2012 or strong appearances at the world championships in more recent years. Now 28, Hoffman is considered a solid NHL prospect by NHL scouts after being great in the top Swiss league. After being picked by the Hurricanes in the fourth round in 2011, his rights were made with Carolina all this time because Switzerland, like Russia, does not have a transfer agreement with the NHL. Sources around the league think the Hurricanes and Hoffman were unable to agree to terms in recent years, so that is why he stayed in Switzerland. The reasons are unknown. Hoffman is a skilled forward with great offensive instincts. He makes a lot of plays and does so with pace. Typically, when you assign a 28-year-old European scorer, you're getting a guy with average size in skating. But Hoffman is different in that he's not undersized and he's a very good skater, above average for the NHL, which is why I think his game will translate to the NHL. He's not great off the puck and won't be a penalty killer in the NHL, but I think the skating and skill combination is good enough to take a regular shift and even strength and be a useful contributor in the bottom six. Hoffman is 28 and has never played at a club level higher than the Swiss League, He's not so talented that he's a sure thing, and Columbus has to get him to sign on the dotted line. But for a seventh-round pick, this is a nice gamble. Carolina recoups a later pick in the 2012 player draft for a player. Um, Ports lines apparently reported Hoffman could join Columbus in the near future. Columbus graded B. Uh, he gave Carolina a D grade on the trade. Here's the thing, guys. It's a seventh-round pick. And the best of times, it's, what, a, f- it's a 5% chance that that guy's going to play any NHL games for you? So... What it sounds like is we've got a guy that we've got lots of information on. Yarmo's decided to take a flyer on this. Here's the thing. Yarmo seems to, in the, this year more than any other, it seems like there's been the decision that Yarmo Kekalainen is saying, you know what? I'm just getting all the Europeans. Anybody who I think is a good European player that I know, I want him. And that's what this guy seems to be. Um, I would be stunned, again, if they made the trade without thinking they were going to actually sign him. I think there's a growing, a growing uh, feeling because there was a, a Finnish hockey magazine a week or two ago that did a big spread on the Blue Jackets and on the cover had Yarmo and Patrick Laine and Yunus Korpisalo and Vili Vinalainen, the the head scout. It really almost feels like Yarmo Kekalainen is kind of playing into this whole... I can get all the Europeans I want. I, I think I can. I think I can build relationships. I think I can sign these guys. I think this is what I want to do. And the other reason I, I like this trade is, if even if you draft a seventh rounder, and even if he turns out good, it's probably going to be two, three, four years before he steps on the ice for you. This guy is probably going to be on the ice for us next year. Now, here here's the thing: when you're thinking about what Yarmo Kekalainen's doing. So right now we got Patrick Laine, we got Jack Rosladeck. Uh we still got Kim Maxon on the team. We've got Oliver Dorchstrand just signed a five-year extension for after this year. So we got Oliver Dorchstrand for for this season plus five more. We got this guy. Could be a skilled third liner from what we're seeing. Now I'll start talking about the Russians that we may be starting to bring in in the next year: Dmitry Vronkov. Um trying to remember the name of our first round pick this year. Uh, Chinikov. Chinikov. Remember, he was offered a two-year extension or a four-year extension by his KHL team, which he declined. So that makes you think, okay, maybe maybe he declined next. He's thinking, I want to make that jump to the NHL. I think I can do it next season. Kromochenko. His contract uh, still carries him through next season, but after that, he, here's the thing, guys. We're starting to see this shifting window in Yarmo Kekalainen's mind of, okay, well, we don't be able to do bra, but I've got, at this point, three or four Europeans that I'm like, yeah, they're Russia, three Europeans and Russians, guys from outside of the country, That it's, they're coming in. They're kind of reestablishing a new window for Columbus. There could be a new set of a lot of skills showing up in Columbus. And I mean that's that's big. That, that this could be this could be weird. We could see a really quick shift from the blue jacks we've all known of uh, uh, of Nick Felino and Boone Jenner and all that, and all of a sudden it's I mean it's already Patrick Line and Jack Roslovic, but we could also be seeking, you know, Kirill Marchenko, Dmitry Vronkov, um this guy, Gregory Hoffman, this came, this team, in a year or two, can look so different, uh, and it really feels like you almost got this idea of, okay, well, we lost in the last few years, we've lost all these guys. Here's coming the reserves. Here's coming my next round of guys. I'm excited. I'm ca- here's the it, it's the it's such a weird feeling because. As much as I question from day to day how much of a plan John Tortorella has, other than just trying to motivate guys, I really feel deep down that Jango Kekalainen has a plan. That this guy is living up to the Bond villain he has, which I love, by the way, the, the bald head and the cool... Oh well, we don't think that would be a problem. We don't think we we know that we have the hammer and we use the hammer. I think the man has a plan, so I I have confidence in the future of the Blue Jackets because I think there's a huge plan there. Do so I think that's going to involve John Tortorella pass this year? For right now, no. Uh, if they resign him, I'd be kind of surprised. I'd i want I I wonder where that's fitting into the plan, but. That, that, as a Blue Jags fan, that's my big thing right now. I really feel like there's a plan there. So, um, it's been exciting here. Um, we've got, as far as this coming week, who do we have coming up here, guys? So, Monday night we get Carolina. Thursday we get Nashville. Saturday we get Nashville. So, there's one game before I talk to you again, which will be the Monday with Carolina. If we can get a big win against Carolina on Monday night, honestly, even a shootout win against Carolina, I would take. Because I'm i not worried about trying to catch Carolina in the standings because I think Carolina is going to be one of those teams that's going to make it. But when I look at this thing points percentage-wise, I mean, anytime we get the two, again, when you think of points percentage, like as much as it was, you know, it really burned to, to lose against that overtime one against Chicago. In the two games against Chicago, we got 0. .750 points, uh, 0. .75 of the points we could have gotten, which is how I'm going to be looking at the rest of the season. Of the available points in this, how much did we get? So you always want to get the 50% at least. You definitely want to get the 100% if you can. So if we can get two against Carolina, even if they get the one, It'll be helping us against, you know, because Dallas and Chicago are going to be keep trying to fight. And again, with Dallas down to a 583, a- and maybe I haven't watched enough Florida, I, I get the feeling that is going to slow down, but maybe that's just me. I don't know. But thank you all very much for watching. Thank you for listening. Again, like and subscribe to the show. Uh, check out DraftKings. Again, the promo code's THPN. If whatever you listen to this show on, whether it's Apple or whatever else, you can, you know, rate it or anything. We appreciate that because, again, we're just trying to Grow the show and have a good time talking to people about the blue jackets thank you all very much for watching and listening and everything else have a great night and go jackets please subscribe to the show follow us on twitter at jackets debrief and thank you for listening